get it from a lot more of my friends than normally I do, which is fine with me. I think it's funny. Right. But, yeah. yeah. They're all like, you're way, she's way out of your league. It's which like, is thanks nice, for reminding me, asshole. Yeah, it's like, gee, thanks for, what else do, what else do I need to not no, feel bad about? Thanks, right. appreciate it. <laughs> Wait, are we recording? Oh, shit, yeah, we are. Oh, well, Whatever. All right, Hi. Then. <laughs> Welcome back to Wingman's Garage. You've this survived is... two episodes with us. <laughs> Amazingly. Yeah. This is Chris, the Wingman. I'm the pretty boy. Daniel. That was a burp. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. I, I still only give you a six for that. Well, one. see, I'm I'm not a belcher. I don't. I don't. Neither belch. am I. But you I'm, know, that's why because we're classy. <sighs> I don't know about all that. Keep it classy, pretty boy. What, Keep it classy. What? You haven't been around me very much. You have, but I've kept it under wraps. <laughs> That's when the hood comes out, Oh, right? Lord. I don't know about the hood, but <laughs> it might be more along the lines of, uh, never mind. <laughs> we're going to let it roll. Yes. Anyway, so now that yeah. we're, we know we're recording. Yes, welcome back. Uh, it is uh, officially the true beginning of winter here. Yes, winter uh, finally showed up and it can get the hell away. Yes, they, they're forecasting an... <laughs> A low for tonight of seven degrees. Yeah, and the Nashville's going to shut down on Wednesday because sleet and ice are going to show up at six in the morning. I went to Publix this morning. Oh, and there's there no no milk. bread, no milk, no bread, no bread, no milk. There's probably not going to be much water left. No, no. Um, if now, you, if it, you are not in Nashville, if you're not in Tennessee at all, you might not understand this. But the uh, minute you mention snow, even a, a light dusting, like not even a light dusting, not, you just, say the word snow in the weather report, people freak out. It could be July, and you someone just slips up and says snow. You are they're gonna freak out. They're gonna every bit of milk, every mm-hmm. bit of bread, yep. every bit of bottled water will be gone. And if it's during school, school will be out for three days. Yep. So don't plan on making any cereal or PBJs anytime soon. Oh, not even that. Don't even don't <laughs> plan on moving either because no, not people don't know how to drive in Nashville to begin with, which I right. think is kind of a complaint for every city. That's true. Everyone has their their complaints. You know, I, I still have not been to a single city where there are people that actually know how to drive. I well, mean, we're not talking about the one and twos that I know can actually drive, but I'm talking in general. Well, that's that's more of a a. Uh, a global phenomenon. Not really a global phenomenon, <laughs> but more of a uh, calling card on how the we as a country show driving. Because you go to Finland and stuff like that. Those right. jo- I mean, the guys that are just kind of hanging out, they'll, they'll, it takes them two years to get a driver's license. Right. But anyway, now that's that's a tangent we don't need to go on. This is a very big tangent, but, but now I'm kind of curious. What? For those of you out listening, if you happen to think your city actually has the best drivers in the country, let me know because I'd actually worst. like to know. Or the worst, because yes, we want to we see. can compare. Yeah, because I'm I'm going to guess the worst ones are going to be either in Florida, Florida, yes, or Florida, or somewhere in the Northeast. Well, you know, for Florida, they don't have any turns. All the roads are just completely straight. Well, so, you know, they don't even have like safety checks or anything, and everybody drives around in like Maloney skins. <laughs> so the minute it rains, all you got to do is sit outside with a bucket of popcorn and just watch. Right. So, right. but anyway. Anyways, on that note, I'm going to drop it right now. Um, drop what questions? My trousers. Oh God! I'm, questions, comments, first. concerns, everything. Please send it to us either on Instagram. Oh, uh, sorry, I'm at Twitter. At the Twitter. At the Twitter. At Wingman's Garage, or also email to us at podcast at wingmansgarage.net. Dot net. Don't go to dot com. Don't go might, to dot com. It'll send it back. It might either send it back or you might end up at a website that you don't need to be at. Right. If you're at work. Yeah. <laughs> MadMidgetLove.com. Oh, God. Damn. Whitehouse.com. <laughs> mm, yes. Anyway. 
Anyways, yet another tangent. Today, we don't have a whole lot no, planned for you. Not a whole lot came out. There's some stuff that have come out like within the last couple hours that we haven't had a chance to look at. We'll look at them and be more into it next week. But we can talk about what we were kind of chit-chatting about earlier, resto mod bikes and what yes. we can do. Or we can just sit there and have a couple of beers and you know talk Here's motorcycles like we usually do. Right. So, now, you know, Daniel actually brought up the topic to me uh, the other night as uh, I was – Commuting back and forth, mm-hmm. talking about you know what kind of bikes we'd like to bring back from the past, and not just do a restoration, but actually resto mod them and bring them kind of more into you know 2015. Not even, I mean, more, or, yeah, more, just a little more modern. Give it a modern take because you've got mm-hmm. the the hot thing with hot riding now is the pro touring Camaros and that kind of stuff. Right, doing the autocross and the track days with 69 and. Well, with cars that have no business being on a racetrack with a modern car to begin with. Exactly. People love muscle cars, and they look great when they're done upright and properly modif- properly restored and fully rest- restoration and everything else. But when you look at it in the modern tire, like the tires that they had mm-hmm. on the car. And, and the suspension. The sad thing is I, a modern Camry will outrun a lot of these mus- new muscle cars down a drag strip. It may not look as good. It's not Definitely gonna be, not. It's not going to look as good. It's not going to be as showy, but a modern Camry will walk it, which is kind of sad. Yes. But, you know. You know, when a modern SV650 will outrun a, a superbike for from 20 years ago, right? It's kind of kind of disheartening. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like the uh, conversation I had with a customer just the other day at the shop. Uh, we were talking about you know modern 600s versus you know the 900s back in the day. Oh yeah, no. You know, I mean, happen. your your moderns. Yes, I will say this, the word the CBR 600, uh, your R6, uh, GSXR 600. Um, the six three six, they will all they will own a lot yes, of stuff. A lot of the older bikes that used to be the Top shit, shit yeah. back in the day. Well, I mean, you you look at anything up, anything a, a open class bike up to probably two thousand four, mm-hmm. two thousand five. Well, I take that back. Some of the bikes, like the new R, like the first generation R one. And all that kind of stuff. When it that was the big watershed moment for open class bikes. So, you know, they had the YZF 1000, which was a sport touring bike. You know, and it's, you know, you look at the new stuff now, where I mean, super sports were their 600s, but not everybody had a good 600. Right. You know, I mean, back in the mid 90s or the early 90s, you had the ZXR 600. Yeah. Nobody's on those things anymore. No, not at you all. You had an RF six hundred. Mm-hmm. How much of a turd was that bike? It's it looks like a te- it looks like a terrible version, like a two wheel version of a Testarossa. Right. You know. You I know. mean. And what about the uh, the YZF six hundred R? Gosh, which thing was, somehow managed to still be sold up to what two thousand six, two thousand eight? That was like the F four I being sold to. Oh god, the F four I. But and the F4i was good for about two years, and the double R came out, and they were yeah. like, wait, why are we still doing this? And it seems like the only people that like F4i's are the stunters. Because you can't blow them up. No, and you can get them dirt cheap. You now. cannot blow well, those bikes maybe up. not in this area. Not here. Again, for those of you who aren't from the Nashville area. You can't get F4i's cheap here. You, yeah, motorcycles seem to have a higher value than what the rest of the world that yeah. thinks that they have. Oh, you can't blow f I mean, but F3's? Yeah. L steel frame F3s, those oh, things yeah. are fantastic. They'll still make great track bikes. Oh, yeah. And you know I'm, what? I'll be honest. The F3 was the first motorcycle I looked at and fell in love with and knew what it was by sight, sound, and name. Oh, yeah. The F3, I've got a friend that's got – it's actually Uncle Rob. You need to come ride with me, Uncle Rob, and Steve in Dallas one weekend. 
we'll get that set up because we're actually I was talking to Dallas today. We're going to start working on the suspension with the Falco because it's a little squishy. <laughs> squishy. It's, and I and I mean squishy in the nicest way possible, <laughs> but it's a little it it's a little too sport touring for what we do. You're right. But Rob's got an F3, the old purple, neon, tennis green, yellow, and white. That bike's got hundred and something thousand miles on it, and he still rides the piss out of it. Nice. I mean, it's still got. I think it's still got the original motor in it. Really? I think. I mean, I know he's. It's not stock pistons. I don't think and everything. But it's not stock internals. But I know he's worked on it, breathed on it a little bit. But hmm. I'm not kidding you. He rides that bike everywhere, and he he's been. He's had a lot of different stuff. He's kind of like you. But the F3's kind of stayed in the clo- in the in the garage just because wow. he loves that bike. Wow! I've seen him hit a back road on a, a newer R6 harder than I would hit a mo hit it on a Motard, and there was gravel all over the place. Everything else, Rob's huh. nuts. Wow! Rob is nuts. He's so much fun to ride with. And then, well, Steve, first time you ride with me, he goes, "I do 70 <laughs> everywhere." So it's out of the driveway. Oh, it's but the thing uh, through back roads and everything, and you've got really good corners, and you're sitting there cranking over and everything. Wow, this is fun. You look down, you're doing seventy. You're like, man, I thought I was going faster, but you're like, I don't need to go any faster. Right, seventy's perfectly fine. You know, it's just a matter of riding the ride the way it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be ridden, and speed's just a byproduct of fun. Speed just or a is it the other way around? Speed byproduct of speed. No, speed is a byproduct of smooth, smooth, yes, and consistent. That is not. Yep. Anyway, we'll get onto that later once it starts warming up. We can all start riding again. Hell yeah! Because it's too damn cold. Says you, I rode Thursday. You're retarded. It was awesome. No. Yes. I, honestly, I don't think my bike has felt any better than it did Thursday. Then again, it's probably because I haven't ridden in like two weeks. Yeah, that's because you haven't ridden in two weeks, and you're just like, hey, I get to ride. No, I, no, I've done the cold weather stuff. Dude, no. It was awesome. I had my heated grips on. I, I didn't even use my heated gloves. I just had the heated grips. Ridiculous. I had my scorpion jacket on. No, you which, are ridiculous. It, it, the, when I swore off riding in cold weather, it was I either got got home and went to work, or I got snowed in where I was at, <laughs> and I left and rode home. And when I got home, I couldn't move my arms for 10 minutes. So when I got home... I somehow got all my got all my gear off. I don't know how. I got in a shower, really hot shower, <laughs> and when the blood started flowing back into my shoulders and arms, oh. it felt like you know getting stabbed Pussy. over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then when <laughs> my shoulders finally released and didn't weren't locked up anymore, my shoulders popped the most glorious pop I've ever felt in my life. Oh come on! But I'm from Hawaii. And you I are this. I, no, no it's don't get not me wrong. fun. It's I would, abuse. I would not be riding today. That is self-abuse. You're a sadist. Like, it was like 55 degrees. You and are a I sadist. I know all of you laughing at us in the northwest and northeast in particular. Where yeah. It's like 50 is you're out swimming and getting suntans. There's no way. 50 is awesome for riding, period. Of course, I still like it at 70. That's yeah. what I prefer. But if it's 50 and it's not raining, I'm riding. 55 is my limit because the way that... I the the way that my bike's set up and everything else because it's naked I get such a bad wind blast I have and the gear that I own doesn't really lend itself to underlayers that are warm Hey aren't you getting something new I have something the on the way but I'm gonna wait till I get it oh. and then we're gonna talk about it when I get it I should get it hopefully sometime this week Nice and yeah so I'm really I, I'm due Let's put it that way I'll <laughs> I'll forget it We might as well say I ordered a new leather jacket Friday Yay and it's been I haven't had a new leather jacket in 
10 years? When did that Vendetta? I had a shift Vendetta oh, jacket. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. And I had I actually had one of the pre-production models from one of the reps. Actually, not the rep, like the number three in the company. But he, uh, I got one of the pre-production models just because he didn't want to carry it around anymore. And I got a really, 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 really good deal on it. Now, if you haven't been around long enough, shift racing was actually a street-based uh, offshoot of Fox of the motocross world, mm-hmm. Fox Racing. It was Fox's and street line. They actually made some really good stuff. They made good stuff, and it was a really, and it wasn't really that expensive. No, either. not their, at all. Their one piece suit. I remember some friends of mine actually ended up were sponsored by them, and their one piece race suits were only like eight hundred and fifty bucks, and they mm-hmm. were good stuff. I mean, it's like a, it's not your Dyna SA. No, it's definitely top not. of the line GP Tech Motor right. Alpine Stars or anything like that. But it was a good middle it's range. Good. That you know your weekend race, your weekend racer, your track day guy could wear for you know you could buy it for and ride it for five years and not have to worry about it. Right. And it it took abuse really well too. Oh yeah. Because I remember I've, Chris and Chris and Tim crashing in that quite mm-hmm. a bit because they were at the time they were crash happy. Yep. And actually, I've got a two piece uh, shift racing suit that I got from our Fox rep back mm-hmm. in the day, and uh, I slid in that suit and. Aside from a little bit of scuff marks, dude, it, they hold it, up. It held well, they and it still up. looks good. Yeah, I've worn the jacket so much that I think I just plum wore it out. Yeah, but I'm I, I was due. It's been yes. ten years since I've had a new leather jacket. So and what I, did you get? I got a. I don't know exactly how to say it. It's a, either Pagnol or Pagnol. Hmm. It's a startup company out of L.A. They started off with what they call the M1, which is a. They only distribute it through Pagnol Moto and Union Garage up in Brooklyn. Union Garage. Which is actually, that's a cool shop. If you're up, if you guys are up in the New York area, go buy Union Garage. It's really neat. It's a really cool shop. It's a shop, lounge, gear store, and they've got some cool bikes in there. There's a shop right next, there's actually an Italian shop right next door. And I went and just kind of walked in because we're right there at closing. I just kind of walked in and looked, walked up to the door and looked in. Dude had a Laverta. Wow. A Laverta race bike. It was really neat. Wow. It was in there for work, and then, um, but yeah, Union Garage, they had it, and I felt the leather and everything. I was like, yeah, the, I was bouncing back and forth between RS Tai Chi and this, and it was one of the, it was the, the price point on it was on the Banyol was a little bit more than normal than I'm normally looking at, but it gets to if you look at it and you go, you know, a good leather jacket's, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've my shift jacket I've had for ten years. Right, you know, so you pay a little bit more up front, and you get what you pay for, and, and get something and, that will last, and it's going to last forever. And the cool thing is, when it lasts like this, it's going to get that really neat patina. Mm-hmm. It's really going to get worn in. It's going to have those creases in it. It's going to have really the character cool. kind of yeah, stands out. That character, and it's solid black, so I can decorate the back up like mm-hmm. an old school flat track guy. Hell yes, I really love like the old Anity Sunday style mm-hmm. with the goofy looking like half sixties psychedelic letters and numbers and yep. stuff. I utterly adore that. So I might, I'll get it. And I, I ended up getting the armor from them too because nice. it's, it's specific armor for that jacket because I didn't want to sit there and order, you know, Knox or mm-hmm. Clem or something like that and it not fit. Right. You know right. what I mean? So I got the, I actually ordered the uh, armor today and hopefully it'll all come in and I can give you a half decent review on it. But yeah, great stuff. Um, they're really nice guys to talk to. I, I was going back and forth with them on which one I needed, which one I felt like I needed. And always really quick on, you know, answering emails back, everything else. And and it, it's everything's made here. It's a company made it, built, based in L.A. All the jackets are made here. Um, it's all. They're not farmed off anywhere else. They're not farmed off anywhere else. The leather, having felt the leather on the M1, it's a very, it feel. I'm a leather nerd. Like, I'm a materials mm-hmm. nerd. Like, yeah. if I can walk up and feel something and I don't like the way it feels, I'm not going to buy it. Right. 
because I've I can't tell you how many jackets I've looked at and walked up and like ah oh, that leather feels cheap right or you can tell it's been made in Pakistan yeah you can tell you can just actually you can usually tell just because of the way it feels and even yeah. looking at the stitching now don't get me wrong there are some Pakistani uh, which a lot of gear gear companies actually get their stuff, stuff. made yeah. in Pakistan that being said it's a lot you of your get, a lot of your lower price right. point stuff is going to be made in your higher end stuff like Dynasty's high end mm-hmm. stuff, Speedy's Dynasty, Speedy's high end stuff, Alpine mm-hmm. Stars, um, yep. Spike. Do you can you even get Spike here? Nope. You can't get. I sp- have not seen Spike available in the U.S. at all. And the then years. like Jimoto, mm-hmm. they're actually come over. They're actually sponsoring Taylor Knapp still. Wow. And thank God Taylor Taylor's got him another good ride. So I'm really happy to see some weird guys doing really well. But um, we'll talk about some updates in um, uh, racing here in a little bit. Because there's some kind of neat stuff that's coming out. But um, anyway, I'm excited. They've actually got a one-piece suit coming here. Sorry, not the Tyler the Hedgehog is texting us. He has decided that uh, he wanted to be late. And we started without him. So so he'll get over it. If he if he shows up, he shows up. If he doesn't, we're still going to pick on him mercilessly. Uh, so, according to the Hedgehog, he says that uh, his significant other cooked dinner. So he's going to eat. And he'll see what we're doing afterwards. So most likely, I'll be driving home. We're not going to see him. No, you're not going to hear him this time, unless we keep on like we did in episode two. Eh, he's got one, a chance. The, he might have a chance, but that one that was a fluke, and that's what happens when you sit there and say, "Hey, we should do our Ted top bike." No, we need to do five. And we cut things down to five. Yeah, and the, yeah. So, and we've still got we've we've got 15 more bikes we can talk about. So right. anyway, but anyways, like we were saying, but yeah, um, they've got a one piece suit coming this summer. Do they? They've got it. it it's going to be solid black. One piece suit, so I'm really excited about that. Shout nice. out to those guys. Hopefully, I will get that jacket this week so I can try it on and check it out and everything. You'll see once I get it, I'll put it on and put, you know get some everything on. Yeah, and you'll see and that on Instagram for sure. We'll put it Facebook. on Instagram and everything, Facebook, and say you know all that kind of stuff. But if you do, and if you've got the time, jump on Pagnol P A P. It's spelled P A G N O L dash moto m o t o dot com. You can see their stuff. It's very it's really artistic website. Really, it's. A couple of guys that are very artistic natured and are into bikes and everything else. So there's that. And it's, again, it's really good stuff. That's so awesome. anyway. I'd love to see it. Cause I can't wait for it to I come remember out. when you showed me the website for that. Yeah. Wow. Like a year ago? Mm-hmm. So, a year and a half. A year, year and a half. They've been around for a couple of years now, but it's just, it. I I like the stuff. It's that old school kind of stuff, kind of right. look. So anyway, on any Sunday. Yes, so. and you know if you haven't seen on any Sunday, any of get them. off your ass and watch. Start with the first one. Start in order. It's yes, on. I, um, it's on. I think Hulu. it's still on Netflix. I know it's on. Hulu. It's on Hulu. And if you um, ha- again, if you haven't seen on any Sunday, why are you listening to us? Right. Turn us off and go watch that, and then turn us back on. Yes, you have to watch on any Sunday. If you're watching the first one, I will warn you. It's going to be a little dated. The humor, obviously, the motorcycles and everything. Not gonna, even that. You can still watch it because oh, yeah. it's just a good movie. But you have to watch it, and you know. I like the fact that it's dated because it does – to me, I think that time of the year, yes, I know the technology is so much better. I think that, that time period, era of motorcycle racing and motorcycles in general yeah. was the golden age of motorcycles because unlike now, you can go to a shop and say, hey, I want this done. I want my bike to put yeah. out this much horsepower. I want this kind of suspension on it. And you can order anything out of a catalog, yep. have it installed, and tuned. Back in the day, if you, you want to- your bike to go fast – you had to find a way to make it happen, whether it is you knew something that would fit that doesn't be, did not belong on a motorcycle, 
or you made it yourself. And see, watching this movie, you can now see the resurgence of, you can see where this whole resurgence of trackers and cafe racers, Mm -hmm. and mostly the trackers and the Brat Bobs and everything Mm -hmm. else, where it all came from. Because you look at, if it's... There's a there's got to be a documentary coming. I think I've seen it. It's the old school sixties and fifties and sixties of um, you know, desert sleds is why you see yes. that the desert sled. It's a Triumph street bike that they take the motor out of it and put in, put in a Matisse frame and jack the suspension up, and that's your dirt bike. Yep. They didn't have motocross bikes like they do now. Dirt bikes. We'll get to that. Ryan but, Gadfly, uh, we'll get to your question here in a minute. That's right, Gadfly. We heard you, but uh, you know. They didn't have motocross bikes back then. There was no such thing as motocross. Yeah. There well, they had like desert the outdoor racing. stuff. There was woods racing, but yeah. you were using your street bikes that you converted. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of was the beginning of everything. You had, you know, the uh, in motorcycle racing, what ruled supreme back in the day was flat track racing. You know, that is the purest form of American motorcycle racing there is, period. It's When you watch those bikes, that and Speedway, mm-hmm. those bikes there. Speedway's more European, though. No, speed uh, Speedway started in America. Did it? Yeah, Speedway off and off of a, what board track racing? Yeah, board track racing and Speedway started off. Speedway is probably the most manic form of racing because you've Agreed. got four guys. They're on mo- two stroke, five hundred cc, two stroke single single cylinder motorcycles with no brakes, two no transmission. It's a single gear. It's a straight cut gear. And it's four laps. The race lasts about 45 seconds, and you're done. Another 30 seconds, you got another race. Everybody, okay, this is the thing about everyone's seen that race where it's nothing but street Harleys on the dirt. Mm-hmm. That is the seller. Oh, what is, it's in the new on any Sunday. It's a, They do it every Friday night. It's speedway racing at, oh, gosh, it's they've been doing it for years. I'll find it, and I'll tell everybody, I'll, I'll tell everybody about it next week. But... That's speedway. Yep. That's the stuff. And then flat track. Yep. You take it out to the dirt, yeah. and there you go. That's flat track racing. And flat track bikes and everything, those are like great white sharks. They haven't yep. evolved any. But you can still get an XR750 flat mm-hmm. track bike. You're not going to be able to afford to maintenance it. No. You're, you know, uh, you've got to be – you just to get the frame, you're at twenty five grand. Right. And just you know, this for takes the us motor, back. it's an XR750 Harley motor, and right. that's thirty grand. Yep. And this takes us back to when Harley-Davidson actually used to do more than drag race. Mm-hmm. You know, and they dominated. They, they dominated still do flat, flat track, track racing. They still yes. do flat track. They but, do flat track and drag racing. But sadly, flat track racing isn't anywhere near as popular as it used to it's be. It's coming back. They yeah, had it, it in is. the X Games, which yep. is fantastic. They had yes. the X Games, the Super Prestigio that Mark mm-hmm. Marquez threw on. As much as I don't like Marquez anymore, right? as much as I don't like him, I like him. he brought that to Europe as a show. Mm-hmm. Valentino's had his ranch for God knows how long. Yes. And the dirt's really weird where he lives. The dirt's really white and it's really powdery. Right. It's almost it's like almost sand. It's almost like sand, yeah. But you get a bunch of those guys out there, and they're out playing, and they're training with it now, whereas they used to just be on mini-motos right. and doing that kind of thing. And now you see a lot of that transferring mm-hmm. over back because, you know, when America was dominating GPs back mm-hmm. in the mid to late 80s and early 90s. Mm-hmm. And, and that's even they all, some of the thousand, 2000s yeah. because, you know, like Nicky Hayden Nikki and, and Colin ben Edward. and Colin and all those guys, yeah. they grew up flat-tracking. Yeah. I can guarantee you. Well, heck, everybody. If you follow Roger Lee or Nikki mm-hmm. or anybody on Instagram or JD Beach or mm-hmm. Jake Lewis or any of those guys, you see videos of them just destroying, yep. destroying sure. that flat track track their sunset oh, yeah. downs that they've got over oh, yeah. you know the compound. 
So, you know, and also going back to, you know, early 2000 GP racing when they were still uh, riding the 500, uh, two strokes, two strokes, you would see them backing it in through all the corners because for them, that was the easiest way to get that bike around. And they could do it because they, they learned how to ride uh, bikes like this flat tracking. Yeah. Well, see, they're your training bikes. You can find you an XR100 Mm -hmm. and you put a, it was a front tire. It was like a Dunlop DT501 front tire and you turned it backwards and you stuck that on the back. And there you go. You're done. There's your there's your training bike. So, I mean, you see pictures of guys like Jason DeSalvo and everything when they were mm-hmm. still racing. DeSalvo's, well, DeSalvo's tiny. He's like 5'2 to begin with. But, I mean, he's leg, leg all the way out, stretched up, the bike's almost flat, and he's going through a corner, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. I By the way, that. when I finally find you, you're sighting my helmet. Just saying. He's in Alabama. I know where he's, he's going to sign my helmet. I know where he's before at. Before I retire. I know. I have a sneaking suspicion. I know where he's at. And if not, I can probably make that happen. Sweet. So and then anyway. who knows? Maybe we'll uh, auction off the helmet. That's something. Maybe. Else. We'll, we'll discuss that later. Yeah. Um, but hey, congratulations to Elena Myers. Yes. She got married yes, this week. Myers this got weekend. married. Congratulations. Oh, I can't remember uh, the name of her groom. But uh, he's a BSB racer. Yeah. But yep. congratulations, but congratulations, Elena. Fantastic news. Yep. Good job. We'll see you next year. Yes. Uh, excited to see you uh, actually riding more and more and more. Yeah. Uh, watched you come up from the ranks of uh, the beginner class, just like uh, Hayden Gillum. Oh, I saw, I remember seeing Atlanta on a 125 yep. at Road Atlanta yep. years and years. She was she ended up being like fourth behind Hayden and all those mm-hmm. guys, but she was right there in the mix with them. Oh, yeah. That's so, awesome. But, yeah, good yeah. congratulations, Atlanta. Oh, yeah. That's a good thing. Keep inspiring the rest yeah. of the girls to get out there. And Absolutely. Ride. You actually – we. We were down at Road Atlanta, and you, my, I had my girlfriend with me, and she, that was the first superbike race she ever been to, and it's Road Atlanta this year, so it was raining and cold, and you had a quick little conversation with her, and it was really nice, mm-hmm. and we really, she really appreciated that because yep. she's not, she wasn't really into bikes and racing. She was, we were both miserable just from the way <laughs> the weather was, but we, again, she really appreciated that. So, con- again, congratulations yes, again, congratulations. Boy. All right, we're gonna try and keep this at about an hour today. Yeah. Um, so right now, I think we're going to take our first break, and we're going to come back, and we got a question uh, that came in off of Facebook, actually, that we'll answer when we return. So we'll see you in a minute. See you in a minute. And we're back with part two of episode three. Part two. But uh, actually, during the break, we're looking at some of these pictures that Nikki Hayden had posted. Literally on his, just uh, put up on his Facebook. Facebook. It's probably on Instagram yeah. too. And we're talking about flat tracking, and we're looking at a picture of him leaned over. Uh, he's cranked over. It. And he's probably let me look at this picture again. He's probably sitting over at sixty no, he's at he's dragging a foot peg on a yeah. CRF four fifty and here's he's the at thing. eighty degrees. He here's the thing. He's hard cranked over, pinned front wheel off of the ground. Here, I'm gonna save this and we'll post I this mean, on the that that's freaking we'll beautiful. post we'll po- we'll post this on the Facebook page yes. so you guys can see what we're oh, talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah. But that's that's just obscene. That just yeah. that that's one of those where you just look at it and go, you know mm-hmm. what? I could I, I can't. You win. I can't do it. Right. And I'm I'm so glad that you know that flat track is making it back. Yeah, I'm um, really that. And it's it's so it's WWE wrestling at 120 miles an hour when you've got 12 guys stacked on top of each other going down the back straight at a oh, mile yeah. race. We yeah. need to go to Springfield one year and you mm-hmm. go diving into turn three and you've got they all pitch it sideways at 120, 140. Right. That's nuts. Yeah, just absolute insanity. And again, right now this is a. This is the purest form of American racing. Oh, it's the purest there. form of motorcycle racing to begin with. Oh, but anyway. Yeah. But well, let's answer let's our see. good buddy's question here. All right. Ryan Gatfly uh, actually hit us up on Facebook Facebook here, and uh, he wanted to, us to kind of answer a question. We'll read it off, and then we'll answer him. it. It's bugging uh, him. So. so let me pull this up. 
He wants to know, why do we think supermotos are so popular now? Uh, for him, it seems like a kind of a waste of a good dual sport or dirt bike. Well, you know, I'll let you go first, and then I'll be I'll mm, come in. Where do we go with this? You know, personally, I think supermotos kind of incredibly fucking cool. Um, but again, it kind of comes off of the whole flat track thing. Um, well, do but, you know, do you understand where supermoto came from? Go ahead, enlighten us. Okay, so supermoto they had now back in the mid seventies there was something called the IROC, not mm-hmm. not a Camaro and not a which is Firebird. what most people would think. It's the International Race of Champions. You got a bunch of drivers together. You would get guys like AJ Foyt and Derek Bell and you know just a bunch of worldwide known guys to come and they all they were all in. Porsche 911. And to start off, they were from 911s, and they jumped, them, dropped them down into Camaros, which is where we get the IROC Z from eventually. So <clears throat> they were talking to a gentleman named Gavin Tripp, from who is English and a promoter, and they were asking, "Well, why can't Kenny Roberts race against um, Roger DeCoster?" Right. You know, it's two separate disciplines. It just doesn't really work. And you know, there's ABC Wild World Sports talking to him and go, "Hey, mm-hmm. can we?" Can you help me help figure that out for us and let us know? So he thinks about it for a little while, and he comes up with something that's eighty, that's seventy percent street, thirty percent dirt, and a little bit of flat track, and a little bit of motocross thrown in. And I give you ABC um, Superbikers. That's right. So yeah, yep. and Superbikers. These guys were on five hundred cc two stroke, just about pretty much anything, but five hundred cc two stroke dirt bikes with a little bit of street suspension and some flat track tires on it. And you know, I mean, guys like Jeff Ward and um, uh, who all uh, Brock. Uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of all the guys that ran it. I mean, every big name they could get a hold of did it. I mean, Jeff Ward on a you know a 500 cc Kawasaki's two stroke doing 140 down down the straightaway past you know tractor tires. I mean, it's just. And it worked. It went from 77 to like 81 or 82, and then it just kind of fizzled out and didn't really follow anything. Now, the French, as much, what, whether you love them or hate them or anything, they make fantastic wine, they make fantastic food, they make fantastic cheese. They cannot make <laughs> a car or a motorcycle to save their life. They just can't do it. Right. They make them look pretty, but they don't run very well. Ooh. They sure can customize a few of them. They can customize them. We'll get back to that. Yeah, they can do some custom stuff pretty cool. But anyway, um, so they took it and ran with it, and they kept it going. And they, the manufacturers in Europe saw the fact how big this was and everything else, and they started making street versions of it. Because it's if you're in an urban environment mm-hmm. and everything else, but and you need something that's torquey, you can get in and out of situations really quick, and you need a good field of view – and you want something you can go scratch on a back road or something like that. Right. It's perfect. It's utterly it, – you cannot beat a motard for daily stuff or mm-hmm. back road scratching. I don't care. Yeah. You go If you go to Deals Gap here in Tennessee, if you go out there, the only bike you need to be on is a motard because you, will, you won't get it out of – you will, might get into second gear on anything else. Right. It doesn't matter. Um, when I hear motard's a good waste of a dual sport or a dirt bike – well, you know, you're really Keep not going to take it off of a dual sport. Although I've seen some Keep guys take wheels. WRs. But, again, off of a dirt bike, honestly, for me, I don't ride off-road. You know, for me, a supermoto would make a lot of sense Motard. to and have fun. And Motards you, are one of those things where if you get on it, it's mm-hmm. ju- it's almost as good as a trials bike for just riding around and acting like a dick. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Because on a trials bike, you could just 
throw it out of the back of the truck and go have go find a skate park or a stair set or something like that and just play around. Whereas right. on a motard, you can hit freaking staircases and you know sidewalks and everything else, and you can just be an absolute jerk riding around and mm-hmm. then disappear really quick. Real quick. I mean, and then you watch the racing and stuff. If you watch, there is a, have you seen this? It's over in Belgium, I think. It is a 100% paved motard track. Wow. With berms and jumps and whoops and doubles and everything. Mm-hmm. And these guys are flat getting it. Yep. I mean, the bank, it looks like a miniature version of Daytona. And they hit this thing every bit of second and hit wow. it and just pin it. And it's whoop. You know. So, we're supermoto fans. It's mm-hmm. not personally. It's not really a waste of a dual sport right. or an adventure bike. Well, on an adventure bike, you're not really a motard because you've already got the wheels and the tires. Right. And, and really, you're not going to want to do any type of motard riding on a true on adventure a true bike because they're just too heavy. Which but, I mean, kind of going to the question of why do we? I personally think that supermotos are so popular right now because you can get into one. For really nothing. Cheaply. I see, mean, the only issue is they're not really that popular here in the States. No, they're, they're real really big in Europe. Europe. When you've got – you can always tell when something's popular is when there's a brand that makes it exclusively mm-hmm. for that particular niche. Mm-hmm. You don't, you, we don't get the CCMs and the Vertimatis and everything mm-hmm. else. We don't get that mm-hmm. here in the States. If we're lucky, well, of course we get the Hyper Motard. Um, Aprilia which, had their SXVs for a while, which was even more super motard than SXVs are great, but they're super unreliable. very unreliable. Well, if you do the head mod, the yeah. top end mod, yeah. you, they work, but after 25 hours, you got to refresh the heads. Mm-hmm. So as a pure, as a street bike, they're terrible. As a race bike, if you want to tinker and you mm-hmm. want to keep your building stuff, have at it. They're fantastic. Oh yeah, and but they are I mean, fast. Oh, they're quick. They Real are quick. stupid, but. If you're going to do Motard, the only thing you're going to be able to do on the street from the factory is a DRZ. Mm-hmm. And how tunable is that motor? Well, there was the KLX, too. Kawasaki brought out the... That was a 220, though. That really um, wasn't much. Yeah, it was a KLX 200. 250? 250. Well, it wasn't, had a 250 SM. it wasn't really much to do speed-wise. For, if you're jumping off a sport bike and trying to get on and you know ride like a sport bike on the interstate, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Like the only time a motard is going to work over a sport bike is on a really tight, twisty road. Right. On the interstate, you're going to be yeah. mad at yourself at oh, eighty. Yeah. yeah. But but I mean the DRZ, those things are so tunable. Yes. They've got a, just the the myriad of parts that you can get mm-hmm. for a DRZ 400. Doesn't even matter if it's an SM. If it's just the right. D- regular an Athena 480 kit and a 30 oh, yeah. millimeter carburetor on that Joker, and you're, you're going. But again, don't expect to get on one of these and go head to head with even an Hell, even a Ninja 500. A well-ridden, the, the, a well-ridden yeah. 600 on a racetrack is going on a normal racetrack mm-hmm. is going to beat you. Yeah. You need to be yeah the tight and the twisty. Oh, you're, oh yeah, you'll you'll don't even try to keep up with a well-ridden motard right. on a tight twisty. It's not going to happen. Right. But so. and the fun thing is about a motard is you can sit there and just do whatever you want. You mm-hmm. can if you say hey, there's a fun little section of dirt over there. I can go jump in a mm-hmm. field, and not worry about crashing. Right. Not really hurt, worry about hurting anything because it's a dirt bike. Right. You can crash it, and not worry about it. Unless you are riding an SXV or hyper yeah, motard. those things are way. You don't drop one of those. Hyper motards are fun, but it's. They that is a pure street yeah. motard. I have seen not, people take it off road, but they're not happy. They're not no. No, they're truly a street. Thing. When was the last time you saw an Italian do anything off road that was good? Right, right. The LMO LMO double O two from with Lamborghini, but the tires are thirty five thousand dollars a set. Yeah, well that's that's super unobtainium. Well, that's a yeah. military vehicle. But anyway, uh, hey, we got another? fly actually just messaged us hey, back. Hey, what's now? Um, he actually kind of wants to 
think uh, get what we think about the adventure market. Um, he says, uh, also the adventure bike market seems to be attracting a younger crowd. It's no longer a sport bike or Harley choice anymore. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts: any time it will, any bike that brings more young people into riding, I'm for. Absolutely. Um, your sport bike market is still your sport bike and your Harley market is going to be your main moneymaker just because mm-hmm. that sorry we're fighting Harley. Mm-hmm. Um, Harley does an excellent job at marketing. That's they what do they've fantastic. always done. They've, they do the best marketing job of all time. Yep. It, you will never be able to outmarket Harley because mm-hmm. that they are the way they are. Yep. Um, I can see three certain aspects that brought the younger market to Harley. Um, the big thing is the availability of the bikes. You can mm-hmm. and you can get something made the way you want it from the factory pretty easy. But the adventure market, the KLR, when the new KLR six fifty mm-hmm. came out, when it didn't look like a granddad bike, right. that helped out a lot because mm-hmm. that the new the the newest when the KLR changed, that changed the way that looked yeah. and that and bike the KLR really definitely good. changed. Now Gaffly, I know you ride a KLR, so I know what you talk uh, you know what we're talking about. Um But then the biggest thing with the adventure bike is they're actually, they're not, again, they don't look like your grandfather's bike or they don't look like the bike Mm -hmm. that the guys got the GPS and the tire Mm -hmm. temperature sensors and the catheter and everything Mm -hmm. else. You know, like the, and it doesn't have like the 15 gallon tank that'll go for 9,000 miles and everything else. And what started all that, I'm going to tell you right now, that started the whole young market coming into the adventure game. What's that? You and McGregor. That's I true. I guarantee it. That's very you true. You and McGregor. Somebody yeah. they saw somebody mm-hmm. cool well, on a bike like that, mm-hmm. and that's what did I, it. That's pretty much what I think triggered it. I don't remember the name of the, the long way around. Long way around. Thank you. But honestly, I think now uh, to kind of answer the question about the younger crowd being attracted to them, you know, all it does, all you need to do is take a look and see what the current motorcycle scene, at least nationwide, is yeah. doing. Um, you've got a bunch of different people, and you can find them on Instagram. You've got Nostalgia Memoir. Um, you've got Iron and Air, which is actually a magazine. Um, there's a bunch of people out there who are actually going on true adventures. It's not yeah. just a look at me, look at me phase at the chopper craze, which is all about. It was well, all that was all ego and look at my bike and look how much money I spent. Look what I I did with it. Well, now, look what I paid somebody to do with it. Right, but and the cafe scene is going to that too. It's which starting sucks. to, but. We're, anyway. At least we're not seeing themes, yeah. which we t- covered last episode. Yeah, but give it a minute. Right. Anyway. But, you know, the adventure scene, it's all about these people actually getting out and riding and going to these different places and having experiences. And, you know, I ride a ZX-14. A little more suited for this type of riding, but not really. No. Um, you're not going to get this kind of adventure really on can, a well, on, a, tough. on like an R6 or a 636 or a Gixxer. Even if it's a 1,000, sure, you can do road trips on any of the sport bikes. You're not going to enjoy it as much. It depends on the trip you take. Yeah. I, I mean, mean if I, could, I mean, I can tour on my bike, on my S1000. Oh, yeah. But that's, again, it's an S1000R, so it's a little bit different setup. Yeah. Now the S1000RR, mm, not maybe. as much. Maybe. Depends on how tall you are. Yeah. But it's one of those, and your pain threshold. But <laughs> <laughs> it, the adventure bike market's blowing up just because it's a different option for mm-hmm. people who want to get out and who don't really care... You get these guys that, okay, they might do 85 on the interstate. Mm-hmm. They're not worried about that. The, the Point A to point B isn't the deal. It's the space between A and B. And, right. you know, you get into that once you break 24. Right. 
once you get out of the, you know, I, I'm doing this because I think it looks cool, the blah, blah, mm-hmm. I look cool with this, that, and the other thing. You know what? No. Mm-hmm. That's, I hate saying it, but the ego that jumps in on their sport bike market that we all see, we can oh, yeah. smell them. Oh, we yeah. can see them coming from 10 miles away. We can see the Mohawks yeah. and the LEDs and, it's, and the, and it, the there's, stand-up There's places wheels for on that and everything else, but it's just like it gets to a point where you calm down. Those are the guys that aren't going to ride for the rest of their life. Right. And, you know, going to the opposite scale of the spectrum, the Harley, you know, the honestly, the age of what you would consider the true biker to be, the leather chaps, the leather vest, the beards, honestly. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I've got it. Honestly, I think that particular generation is starting to disappear good or bad I, I, it's i don't see it disappearing i see it's just it, not as they're changing the marketability yeah. of it because you don't see you don't they're the getting into what the hot thing now is which is baggers mm-hmm. that's the hot thing in the in the in, american market in right the american genre now the big thing is let's see how big a front wheel you can put on a bagger and all right. that kind of stuff which again it has its place it looks cool to show right. the, the paint work and everybody the thing everybody's doing looks great right but again. they ride like ass when you set it up yeah. like that. It again, that's the, like the, like the choppers. Most of the time, all those choppers we had back in the 2000s, you're lucky if they rode a couple hundred miles. Yeah. their entire life. I'll say this: I'll take a Road King. You know, Road I'd, Kings are I'd built set, for I'd that. I'd get though. a good setup, a well set up Road King mm-hmm. minus low, the 21 inch front. Wheel. I mean, I no nah, 21 is about as big as you want to go. 23 uh, gets too big. But, oh, that twenty. Sorry, we go bigger than twenty-one. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, they got thirty-two now. Yeah. No. But give me a good, good spoked out, low ridered out road king. I'm in. Again, I'm all in on that. Right. Again, it all depends on what you want out of your bike. You know, there's no, there's no wrong way, unless it hurts you, to really own a bike. I mean, yeah. we've got the guys who ride to ride. You've got the guys that ride for. Um, community you know basically have friends and hang out there's nothing wrong with that there's the guys who own them because they think they just look cool again no one rides a motorcycle because they don't look cool right sure. it's the whole point of riding a motorcycle, you, honestly, if you don't look cool on a bike then you have a lot of other issues than being on a right. motorcycle so again if you're you know sometimes people laugh at them calling them posers okay whatever if you've got a bike that you think looks cool it makes you happy who cares? By all means, do, do you? Yeah. If that's what makes you happy, if you want to get the Chrome, get the LEDs, get whatever it is that makes you happy, and own it. And hey, but coming back and coming back for a circle on an adventure bike. Yeah. Adventure bikes are actually getting to a point now where they're usable on oh, the street, incredibly in, usable, like in a daily thing. Because mm-hmm. you run into the fact with the, the you run into the issue with the adventure mm-hmm. bikes where. They don't really work very well on day to day, like back and right. forth to work. Well, like the, old, got, the big GSs. Yeah, those big GSs. You've got the big massive aluminum bags, mm-hmm. and the big tank on the back, and mm-hmm. it just they, they take up a full parking spot, and they're just a pain in the ass to try and do anything with. Mm-hmm. Where now your small adventure bikes, like the 690 KTM's, mm-hmm. and the KLR, the KLR, the um, oh, what's the the little bait, the 700 GS, mm-hmm. the um, what's the oh. In kind of an odder, even though they Hell, classify the 650 as versus. Right, the 650 versus, the 1000 versus, Honda's NC700, which they classify as an adventure. Dude, the NC700, not very exciting, but it is an amazing city bike. Oh, it's the best. I, the funny, actually, no, I've seen Guy Martin take one of those on a track <laughs> and him 
embarrass people. Well, it's Guy Martin, so that goes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, hopefully I, we didn't like blow off on a tangent too much right. to not answer your question, dude. But uh, that's let's come thought. back to the actual subject we were going to talk about. Yes, yeah, so we're talking about resto mods. Resto mod bikes. Let's right. come back to that and then finish up here. All right. But my resto mod bike, I've always loved like the goofy, like '80s stuff. Mm-hmm. The GSX Katana from '82 to '83, uh, kind of that with that shark, the kind shark of fairing front with and the big that really the obscenely long rear end on it. Yep, you yep. that bike there, you get that body work cleaned up. You don't mm-hmm. have to take a whole bunch of stuff off. Just get it cleaned up and get mm-hmm. the lines a little bit better. You put modern suspension on it and some BST carbon wheels on it, mm-hmm. and get like the back end of it open right. where there's not the battery box and everything else and all that. That bike just looks. Nuts. Yep. You know, I've Oshimura always kind of in a Japan big fan of that. Built a bunch of those. Really? They built. They put 1135 kit in it, tuned it and everything. They painted it like a slate black, like a semi gloss black, and put. Oh, hmm. that! If you have tourist trophy, yes. it's in the game. Yep. I, I I saw that. I was like, oh, I like. And I've always liked that bike anyway. Really? But I saw that. I was like, oh my god, that bike! I'm not kidding you. That is one that will be in the garage hopefully eventually. You know, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because oh I yeah, the new Jack, up, yeah, yeah, Icon Motorsports actually did uh, a 1982 uh, Katana. They started up actually that that is in an episode of that Naked Speed mm-hmm. uh, TV show where they talk about building it and everything else, mm-hmm. and they had Ernie uh, Vigil riding it and everything yeah. else. And that yeah. bike, that bike's really cool. I don't like the way they, they kind of cheated though. They yeah. took a Suzuki Bandit engine and put it. Which they is put a 1200 Bandit Bandit yeah. motor out of it, and that yeah. started life as a 750. But yeah. I mean, Icon's got the funding to do whatever oh, they want. Yeah. I don't really. The, I like the way they did the whole body work. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would have done the back end the way they did it, but it looks good. I'm yeah, never yeah. going to – that the, looks cool. It kind of brings the older 80s style into 2010, 15, whenever they did this. But I like that bike, yeah, though. I love it, that bike. I think it's awesome. We've actually got the video of that playing on the shop on the big screen. Oh, yeah. That bike's great. Um, so that's yours, huh? What's your resto mod bike? Ooh, where do I go? Where do I go with this? I mean, I, I've got a couple of different options. One, you know, I'm a huge RD fan. Little two strokes that uh, I've got put RD a lot of the bigger bikes to shame. I've got an RD 400 a box oh, up in Wisconsin, so I, we'll have to see what we do. There's, with that. there's been some, there's yeah. been some discussions yeah. about that bike. I mean, honestly, I want to throw some like uh, uh, TZ 250. I mean, the modern TZ 250 bodywork on that. Oh yeah, put a little headlight on just to make it so I can ride it on the street. And uh, of course, upgrade the suspension. Yeah, put it off of an R6. Yeah, I was going to put an R6 that. forks. And uh, but would you do the right way up forks, or would you do upside down? Oh, I go inverted all the way. Really, all the way. Why? Why not? Yes, it's probably a lot stiffer That's, than the it's frame. It's stiffer, and you're going to have to brace the shit out of the frame. Part that. of the whole the joy. Well, of it yeah, is to true. Brace, brace it, detab it, brace it up. Yep. You know, yep. do it upright. Get set and up the thing just is, right. you can you can damn near supercharge mm-hmm. that motor with a good set of pipes on it. I mean, honestly, you could probably even just take uh, an engine right out of a Banshee, Yamaha Banshee. Oh, I know, but that's see, actually the 350 LC, the RZ 350 engine. Well, see, I mean, I've, but again, the 400, you can punch that out oh, yeah. and more torque. Oh, yeah. I, this is something I've always wondered, since we're talking about two-strokes. Mm-hmm. Does the power delivery on a two-stroke match the way a power delivery would on a four-stroke in configuration? Would a V-twin mm-hmm. two-stroke be torquey like a V-twin four-stroke? 
Because mm. you always hear GP guys, oh, he rode a V-twin Honda for a year, and that's all that, this, that, and the other, mm. and like, you know, the square fours. Does the, the if anybody out there knows, can you please message us? Because yes. I've always wondered yes. would a V-twin two-stroke be torquey like a V-twin four-stroke? I've always wanted to know that. I think you still have to rev the shit out of it. Though. Well, I know you're gonna have to rev the shit out of it, but on a normal like four, not on a four-stroke mm. V-twin, you don't have to rev the tits off of it that much, right, To get right. power. Whereas on a two-stroke, you're going to have to mm-hmm. rev the tits off it to get in the power bed anyway. But would the power be broader like mm-hmm. on a V-twin? That's an interesting question. That's I've always wondered that. I've right. never been able to – never right. really had anybody answer it to where I could actually understand mm-hmm. it. So if anyone out there listening knows, let me know, right. please, because I'm, I'm dying. i got to know. <laughs> We'd like to actually know the answer to this. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of the RV, you know, I've got a perfectly good somewhat modified KZ750 that – I still want to turn into a scrambler. That could work. I yeah. mean, it's a parallel twin. It's you can do it. It's a parallel twin. You know, it's a 76 KZ750 twin that, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the cafe and uh, bobber heads out there know these bikes very well because yeah. they're cheap. Yeah, There's they are still cheap. a lot of them out there. And you know what? They were, honestly, they were the XS650 twin for Kawasaki. Yeah, they were the Kawasaki uh the Kawasaki fighter against all of that stuff. So. Right. So, you know, super versatile engine frame, not as versatile as the uh, XS. Yeah, but the XS, I mean, the XS is the XS. Right. It's one of those things where, you know, it's tough to fight that. It's almost like trying to fight, like, hell, a CB750. How much right. fun would that be? Oh, oh, where do you go with that? I mean, you could do so much. You could do the but there's RC. Everybody's, everybody's Everyone's done one. That. That's the yeah. thing. Well, um, I mean, you could do, I mean, the hot thing now is the... The old school BMW parallels, right, yeah. right? And I will say this: those motors are about as complicated as a mousetrap. They are very, very basic bikes. You can take the bike apart and put it back together with the toolkit that comes from the factory. What are you looking at? Who's texting? No, me? this is something completely. Oh, okay, whatever. Um, but that's. I mean, since you did two, I have to do another one. Um, and you did two strokes, so I'll just do this. I have seen a gentleman who got a hold of an H2 750 Kawasaki two-stroke, which is the Widowmaker. If you've mm. never seen... A lot of these bikes oh. got turned into drag bikes. Now, if you've never seen one of these things leave down the down uh, drag strip, you are missing the boat. Because if you do this right... The only one I've actually seen leave properly was utterly... Uh, it, the four-stroke that he was... I think he was running against like a G6R 750 or something like that. Mm-hmm. He got him on the line, but once that set, once that two-stroke got on the pipe, that thing mm-hmm. looked like it got shot out of a cannon. Yep. Now, I've seen a gentleman who did – he was road racing an H2 and Weira, doing H2 heavyweight vintage or something. I don't know what class he was in. But you, having looked at an original one and looked at the one that this guy built, I could tell winter was really expensive. Mm-hmm. Because the, swing, the stock swing arms on this bike, I've seen one – a gentleman who lives here in Tennessee who is who's race world superbike. He was on Vezra Suzuki forever. I've talked about him here on the show every once in a while. Trey Beatty, he's got a, a collection of these things. His, I asked him, I was like, where do you find these things? I just, he goes, I just kind of trip over them. Hmm. Like, I wish I could trip over right? one of these things. There's so many things like that I'd like to trip over. Yeah, but he, I saw him throw one into a corner and the swing arm was flexing. Mm-hmm. Spaghetti frames. And yeah. that's, that's what a lot of the 70s and 80s bikes. Hell, that's actually why we went to the uh, twin spar frame in the first frame, place. Yeah. Got away from the tubes because as uh, engines started putting out more power, the tires, and the were tires started much. getting more grip. They just overpower the frames yes. and just bend them like rubber bands. That's why you see 
you know, a lot of these guys bracing the frames. Mm-hmm. And when they put really good suspension in these bikes, like that guy, again, that guy with the H2, he braced the ever-loving piss out of that frame because he had ZX10 forks and a, Damn. I think he had a Olin's TTX shock on the back, everything else, and it it screamed on the front straight. It was fast. He rode it as his ability. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not saying I, he was quick for what he was for right. what it was, but he didn't want to. I mean, you could tell he didn't want to wide the bike up after putting all that money in it because no, I mean, I wouldn't either. the swing arm on that thing had to have been four grand because it was one not piece of aluminum. It's hard to find parts for the engine. You would be surprised. Yeah. Oh. You can't find body work for them, but you mm-hmm. can find part. Like if you find an original H2 750 seat mm-hmm. that's in good condition and unrestored, that's probably two thousand dollars right now. Yep. You know, and kind of funny, you know. The H, actually the H1, which is the 500cc mm-hmm. version of this same bike, actually was in my top 10 of all time. You know whose dad got started on an H2 road racing and it was a factory road racer? Who's that? Miguel Duhamel. Really? Yvonne Duhamel, who huh. is... That's I, right. He he actually was test riding the Z1, Kawasaki's mm-hmm. first KZ900. Yep. Yvonne, is, and if you if you guys have followed road, road racing or anything else, Miguel Duhamel... You all know he's a little bit of a goofball, and, he's, and before he before he crashed and retired himself at Road Atlanta, it wasn't really his fault, but that all, that crash almost killed him. But he was known as a little bit of a nut job, <laughs> a little bit kind of crazy. I've seen him pull some moves that I remember in like ninety, gosh ninety seven or something like that. He was on the Smoking Joe. Listen to this, Smoking Joe's uh, CBR six hundred. Yep. I mean, when American Road Racing had corporate sponsorship. I mean, when will that that when that's been 15 years from that? That happened. needs to come back yeah. so early. I mean, honestly, but, we need to get out of the. Uh, again, I talked about this. If you ride your ride the way you want to ride it, but we need to get out of the squid phase and actually get some true, true support here. In well, the that US. that well, okay, we'll get into that whole subject in another podcast because that's going to take too long, <laughs> but. He pulled a move out of, I mean, he pulled this out of his ass. They're at Road America. And if you don't know Road America, this track is very long and it's very fast. It's a four and a half mile track in the front straights right at, it's almost a mile long. He caught the draft of a lifetime and came back, and they're all on 600s. So he comes out of this hole in the air and just passes from fourth to first at the stripe just like that. I was like, how did he pull that off? It's one of the most exciting races I've ever seen. Like he's, it's in my top five, but I mean, watching anybody try and road race an H2 Kawasaki is ridiculous. Right. So, yeah. But anyway, um, those are our resto mod bikes. Yeah, for now. Um, of course, I'm sure there's a lot more rattling on in the back of our heads, but we're not going to really continue rattling. going on because it's going to keep going on if we mm-hmm. do. But uh, let me see. And it's it's getting half late, and yeah. I don't. I've got to. Well, I got to go home. Yeah, and we'll probably keep you guys uh, here for about an hour or so. But it's about that time. Um, again, if there's anything that we covered that you agree with, disagree with, have a thought about, or again, you want to just tell us we're a bunch of idiots, that's fine. Um, hit us up on Twitter. You wouldn't be the only person. Trust right. me, it's okay. Um, Hit us up at Twitter. Uh, we are at Wingman's Garage. Email us at podcast at wingmansgarage.net. That's podcast, singular, at wingmansgarage.net. Um, again, we'd love to hear from you one way or the other. Uh, Gadfly, thank you again for submitting uh, your questions. Uh, actually gave us something to talk about. Yeah, gave us something to talk about. It. And, you know, we'll probably figure out and see if we can get him on one way or the other. Yeah, we'd love to have you on board sometime just to see what you think about things. 
But uh, check in with us next week. Uh, we'll be back recording it again Monday and probably have it back out Monday evening or Tuesday morning at the latest. Uh, well, don't put us in a box. Heck, if it's nah. Wednesday, it's Wednesday. You'll get over it. Yeah. But we'll, we'll come back to you every week just yep. like we have been. But thanks for listening. This is Chris the Wingman. This is Pretty Boy Daniel. And we're out of beer, so. Yeah, we are out of beer. Bye. <laughs>